Hello and welcome. Welcome to another edition of Atlas Information Live. We are glad that you could join us today because today we're going to be going over some of the basics, some of the most fundamentals of the path. And uh, we are going to be doing this for a number of different reasons, not least because recently we've been uh, it has been requested of us to provide insight and feedback and some advice uh, related to what some of the most important foundational practices there are in terms of being able to reconnect with our higher self and also to be able to, well, to be able to cope better with all the, all of the challenges we face and to gain access to that most precious resource we have, which is information, which is knowledge. And that knowledge, for instance, of our path, of our destiny, and what we should be doing in any particular moment comes from within. But our ability to access that knowledge, to, to be able to receive that guidance, depends very much on whether or not we are practiced, whether or not we are attuned in much the same way that a concert pianist or soloist, violinist, doesn't step out onto the stage, into the orchestra, unless their instrument has been carefully tuned so that when they embark on playing the music, they can be sure that their instrument is going to reflect and play the music as it was written, as it was intended to be played and to be heard. Many of our practices can be understood in that sort of a capacity. But in a very simple way, Coming back to that musical example, nobody becomes a concert pianist overnight and no one can expect to be able to just snap their fingers and overnight have all sorts of access to intu intuition and insight and imagination and to know in its totality what their destiny is going to be and what their meaning and purpose in life is. These things take time and it takes great patience and it takes a tremendous amount of practice, daily practice of the fundamentals of spiritual development. These are the basics. 
But when we say basic, the mind hears the word basic and conjures all sorts of biases and ideas and fantasies about, oh, I, I already know all that stuff. Or that's child's play. That's kitty stuff. I want to do the advanced stuff. But you will find, no matter what endeavor, no matter what area of expertise, no matter what enterprise of human achievement there is, you will find that, that the masters of those enterprises those who have attained the highest levels of achievement, those who exhibit an incredible depth of knowledge and ability and skill and talent and, again, mastery of the craft, whatever that may be, whether they be musicians or athletes or artisans or craftspeople, it does not matter. If you ask them, what is the key? What is the most important aspect to their particular enterprise? Nine out of 10 times, they will share with you some sort of basic knowledge, some fundamental aspect. And if you ask them, what do you practice or how do you practice? How long do you practice and what do you do? They will tell you, well, of course, at our level, we have to practice advanced, advanced things at our level. But each and every day, when we embark on our daily practice, we begin with the fundamentals. We begin with the same drills that we began way back when we were, we were neophytes. Listen to a soloist preparing their voice before a concert. Placido Domingo, Jose Carreras, uh, Pavarotti. These tenors would warm up their, their phenomenal vocal cords and all of the airways and their pathways and their lungs and, and their instrument and they would take the time to warm up their instrument and prepare their instrument for the great <clears throat> opera or the concert or the but the great vocalizations that they were about to present out on stage great vocalists don't just step out of the limousine walk through the green room and onto the stage and start singing In fact, when we were in the theater, we would spend a good hour at least preparing our voice, our vocals, our lungs, and our whole instrument, our body, through relaxation exercises, but vocalization exercises, and enunciation and pronunciation exercises. So for instance, because stage actor is not 
singing opera because there, of course, the preparation of the voice is unique to that particular art form. But in the theater, we're speaking with words and it is important that we be heard. It's the same thing when we were on radio. Before we went on air, we were backstage. And we were doing um, uh, rubber baby buggy bumpers, rubber baby buggy bumpers, rubber baby buggy bumpers. Or the leith police dismisseth us. Why would we do these? Why would we do these tongue twisters? And these types of uh, exercises. They're, they're basic. They're fundamental. That's exactly why we do them before we go on stage, before we get in front of a mic microphone. Because it is important for our audience to be able to hear what we are saying. It is important that we be able to enunciate with clarity and pronounce with clarity and not to pop the microphone or, or you know, make all of these um, sounds that are unpleasant for the listener to hear on the other end of the radio, for instance, or if we are doing a recording, we want the cleanest sound possible the best performance that we can muster. So, this is why we practice fundamentals. And if you, even if you go and go back and find some um, interviews with Bruce Lee, or go and find some old video footage, old uh, uh, television film footage of Muhammad Ali training, or Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger training, or any athlete or, or personality from the past who you respect and that you revere as one who reached the highest levels of achievement. And go in, many of them in their later years, ended up writing books about their particular area of expertise based on their own experience <clears throat> and read what they have to say about practice and about practicing the basics and knowing the basics. And as we described in the description to today's live stream, our Sifu, when we were practicing Kung Fu, our Sifu, Sifu Kerry, made all of his students teach classes because there is something about teaching others the basics, the fundamentals that puts them in a completely different perspective in the mind and in the experience of the teacher. Because it's one thing to have been taught how to do the fundamentals and to do them how you've been taught, but you gain a whole different level of appreciation for those fundamentals when you are the one doing the teaching. So for all of these different reasons, and, and that's why all masters teach, because they cannot avoid 
the fundamentals and the basics and doing them over and over and over again because these are the foundation and without a strong foundation if you are building a tower to heaven without a strong foundation you're not going to get very far no matter how ambitious or how skillful an architect you believe yourself to be or how entitled or how whatever if you build that tower on a weak foundation it will not stand or it will not stand for very long on the first strong wind or storm or or you know uh, uh, earthquake or anything else that comes along that tower is going to come crashing down to the ground <clears throat> because its foundations were not strong so with that preamble out of the way what are these foundations when it comes to the path And it is actually not easy to pick a direction or a starting point because in the same way that the foundations of a building have four corners if it's a square building but it, even if it's a round building it has four poles north south east west <clears throat> and a foundation needs all of those each cornerstone needs to be in place so as we go through today discussing and practicing some of these foundations our cornerstones of our foundation this is not a presentation of them in order of importance in sequential importance because they are all as, as we said they are all important and they all support one another to one degree or another but We will begin with what is absolutely fundamental and foundational to our survival. And so why not begin with an aspect which is fundamental to your very existence as a human being here in the three-dimensional universe? And that is, of course, the breath. That is where we're going to be. That is where we will begin today. But before we do, we have shared the link in the chat. And shortly, it'll come on screen. There it is. If you'd like to pop on and ask questions or participate in some other capacity, you're more than welcome to do, to do so. We're going to be using our handy whiteboard for 
certain aspects as we usually do. <clears throat> and we have this visualization here to, uh, to work with. Because when we talk about breath, we're going to be talking about pranayama. Now we've done entire uh, presentations, entire live streams on just the topic of pranayama. So we're not going to get into, we're not going to get into it in depth today. We're just going to describe a general overview of the importance of the practice. And we're going to give you some examples and we'll do some examples together. We'll do some practices together before we move on to the next uh, fundamental. But pranayama, which means some people um, translate it as breath control. It literally translates into breath stoppage or restriction of breath. But that has a, a connotation for that. If we, don't, if we don't fully grasp or understand what's, what the technique is, then breath restriction sounds very restrictive and resistant. And it doesn't, it might not, it might not create the right feeling around the practice. The breath relates to several of the principles that we were talking about last week of the, uh, the, the uh, seven hermetic principles, including the principle of polarity and oscillation so the tide everything has its high tide and low tide it's in breath and out breath and if you were to map your breath with each and every breath there's a minimum and a maximum so if you took a deep breath in there's a point where you cannot take in any more breath. Your lung capacity has achieved its maximum. And then if you breathe out, you will achieve, you will reach a point where there's no more breath for you to exhale. And the natural thing then is to then it reverses and goes into an in-breath again. So out-breath, in-breath, out-breath, in-breath. And it's we have that, that rhythm, that high tide, low tide. Or the oscillation between in-breath and out-breath, however you want to conceptualize it. But in breathing, we experience it. And we know it to be true. It's self-evident. Except that most of the time, we're completely ignorant of our breath. It's something that happens automatically 
And we generally speaking, don't pay attention to it. We forget about it. So pranayama Restraining the breath, controlling it, is a way for us to become very conscious of the breath. But more importantly, it, it's what is carried on the breath, what coincides with the breath. And the reason why we use the word prana, because prana is prana is well there we go you guys see that okay prana is the same word as chi we're going to spell it that way but of course it's pronounced this way in english it's the vital energy I want to say the, uh, yeah, the vital energy. That's another way to say it. it's a sexual force. But it's not inactivity. It's not the awakened Kundalini or anything. The problem with many of these so-called schools of Tantra is they teach pranayama and working with pranayama as if, and they say that, you're raising the kundalini as you are doing pranayama. You're not raising the kundalini. You are working with a more basic, a more fundamental, a cruder version of the same energy. But the kundalini is more refined and it's infinitely more powerful. But, it, but that must be awakened in the sexual act. And that you know that <clears throat> in your own experience... <clears throat> working with prana versus working with the awakened sexual force are two entirely different matters. <clears throat> but regardless, there are many, many false schools teaching many, many false teachings. So we need not dwell on that. But because we are, when we do pranayama, we... Um, <clears throat> we use the breath and together with the breath we are working with the energy the vital energy of the body and we want to circulate this energy we want to move it around the body and the reason why we want to do this because speaking of getting back to basics and speaking about fundamentals prana or chi is the ninth sphere on the tree of life it is Yasad. It is called the foundation. It is the creative force and it is the foundation of the physical body. It's the foundation of, er of everything. <clears throat> So we need to be able to work with it in a positive way. And the reason why that is, is because if we think of 
prana for a moment as water. And we think of, just visualize what happens to water that's sitting in a pool where there's no circulation, where it can't circulate. And what happens to that water? It becomes fetid, it, it becomes putrefied, it becomes stagnant. And we do not want the same thing happening to our energy, to our sexual force. We don't want it to become stagnant, but we also don't want to waste it. So what's the answer? What's the, and the answer is to circulate it. In the same way that you would put a, uh, a pump with a filter into a fish tank to circulate the water because it, oxygen, it oxygenates the water and it, it creates a current, it circulates it, and again, makes, keeps the water alive. If you put a bunch of fish into a fish tank and you don't have anything recirculating the water and filtering the water and oxygenating the water, the fish are going to die, number one, because the, the water is going to run out of oxygen. And number two, it's going to grow all sorts of algae and it's just going to become this, this stagnant, putrid uh, cesspool, like literally a cesspool. We do not want our foundational energy, our vital energy, to become a cesspool because in that stagnant energy, all sorts of parasites come to feed and come to grow because lots of negative entities thrive in that type of environment. And indeed, our egos are among those entities, especially lust. Because, and that may seem surprising to you, but there's other egos as well. And this, the evidence for this can be seen among the Um, Catholic priests and nuns throughout history who, of course, they took a vow of celibacy and which was fine. It was their choice or at least they wanted to become priests and nuns and they knew that they, they that's something they had to give up and they really gave it up. The problem is that the Catholic Church, Western Catholicism, didn't know anything about prana, didn't know anything about chi. This, these, are, these are Eastern uh, philosophies and knowledge from Eastern traditions, which the West dispensed with. So they never trained their priests and their nuns on how to circulate and work positively with the sexual force while maintaining their celibacy. So as a result, you ended up with nuns who developed a terrible reputation for, for being for bitterness and for anger and even violence 
and just ask the survivors of residential schools here in Canada or others who went to convents because the repressed sexual force results in even modern psychology knows that sexual repression that energy wants to flow and if it doesn't flow in a positive way we've often said up an atom up an atom and up an adam it's going to want to flow down and out but if it can't flow down and out through fornication through the orgasm because you've taken a vow of celibacy well now it's going to find a way to flow down and out through one of your other centers mentally emotionally and physically just not through the sexual center so through physical violence through uh, mental torment through anger through control manipulation of others and on and on and on but the sexual energy will will flow but if you keep it stagnant and don't keep it flowing in a positive way then the entities will come and they will make it flow for you and it'll flow down and out so pranayama is a way for us to avoid all that by working intelligently and positively with our energy and we do that with the breath so the first practice we can do it's very 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 simple the simplest pranayama you will ever do is taking a deep breath and hold hold the breath and just hold it now it should be noted that when you breathe you breathe into your your solar plexus into your belly into your belly button right yogic breathing when you breathe your shoulders should not move if anything you should feel your uh your hips expanding but not your shoulders It's, you can learn yogic breathing on just about any website that teaches yoga. But this is a way for to breathe in a way that you can stay relaxed. Because if you breathe up into your upper chest, just if you do that and just observe what happens if you're holding the breath, you, 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 you'll observe all of the tension in your neck, in your shoulders, in your collarbone, across your chest, in your back. And we don't we don't want that when we practice we want to remain relaxed you want to be in a relaxed state as you do these practices If you have tension anywhere, it's going to hinder your capacity because tension, whether it's mental, emotional, or physical, or energetic, that tension is going to seize up and close pathways. 
and it's going to restrict and prevent the flow of the subtle energies that are again the foundation of all of our work so again the most the simplest pranayama you can do is take a nice deep breath in through the nose and hold it and then when you release it out through the mouth and if you observe your body you may feel very subtle tingling sensations maybe in your legs maybe in your arms maybe elsewhere in your body the tingling sensation you feel is the prana returning or, or spreading out to the body. It's the, the circulation of the prana. So breathing in and holding the breath and breathing out is the simplest pranayama you can do. And hence the name pranayama to hold the breath, block the breath, to, to stop the breath. That is the most basic. The next most basic <laughs> version of pranayama is to recognize that prana, the energy that we're working with, goes along uh, two channels that are wrapped around the spinal column. One masculine and one feminine. And if that shape looks familiar to you at all, it should be because that's the caduceus of Mercury. So these channels, and we should be proper here, we should complete them. These channels begin in the reproductive center of the body, the testes in men and the ovaries in women. And they, uh, they end at the nose, the nostrils. So again, related to the breath. So to do a complete pranayama, working with moving the energy and circulating it in this fashion and then back again. We can stop the breath holding our nostrils. Now, you want to do this preferably with your right hand, if you can. And you only want to involve your forefinger and your thumb. Leave the other three fingers out of it. And you can begin by <clears throat> closing your right nostril. And we will inhale 
with the left nostril. And close that nostril, and then you hold the breath, and then exhale through the right nostril. And then you inhale again through the right nostril, and hold, and then exhale through the left nostril. That was one complete pranayama. So one complete cycle of moving the energy up through one energetic channel and down the other, and then back up through that other, and then down the one you started with. And this, these energetic channels are, of course, uh, let's use the right colors here, Ida and uh, Pingala. This individual uh, is drawn facing us. Ida is the left channel, feminine channel, and Pingala is the right channel, the masculine channel. So this individual is drawn facing us. Uh, preferably, we couldn't we couldn't find a good uh, drawing where uh, they were facing with their back to us. But if you can visualize. It's always uh, on the left. The feminine is always on the left. We draw it here. It's re in, it's reversed because the person is facing with you. But it, but from your point of view, Ida is on your left. So that's the second easiest pranayama you can do. And so just for a couple minutes. We should just, just let's just practice this together, just for a couple minutes. Just, uh, let's say, we're going to do it three times, three complete cycles. So, begin again, closing your right nostril and breathing in through the left. Oh, now, wait, wait, before we do that, hang on. If you're doing this with your eyes open, you can actually visualize using the, the, the visualization we've given you. If you're gonna do it with your eyes closed, it doesn't matter, you can use the visualization on the screen, but you can actually use your imagination, close your eyes and visualize the energy rising up through the energetic channels. And when it gets to the top, when you hold your breath on the top, you can add to your visualization a, uh, a, a tongue of fire. So visualize you're drawing up the energy from the coccyx through the energetic channel, through the top of your head, and then you're going to hold it. And as you hold it there, you can visualize this flame atop of your crown chakra. Like, uh, 
the uh, the apostles at the Pentecost. And then you breathe it, breathe that flame, that energy back down through the other channel. So let's do that three times. We're going to make ourselves uh, a little bigger. So if you want, you can keep your eyes open and use the visualization on the screen or close your eyes and do the visualization in your own conscious imagination, which is more powerful and which is what you eventually want to graduate to. So let's begin, right? So thumb on your right nostril, closed, and we breathe in. Close the left nostril and hold and visualize that fire atop your head. And out. And now in through the right nostril. And close and hold. And out through the left. Twice more. Last one. Now remember, you may feel physiological activity. So tingling sensations, you may feel something moving through your body, you may feel heat. It's, this is fine if you experience these. But these are not the point of pranayama. They are signs, they are symptoms, they are whatever they are, but they are um, side effects. The important part of pranayama is that through this circulation and this positive inward movement, this exercising of the energy, what's important is that our mental and emotional state becomes normalized, balanced and in the same way that we're trying to we're trying to uh, there are analogies to this. 
Like, for example, when you make your bed, you wake up in the morning and your bed is a, your sheets are all in knots and, you know, your pillows are all over the place and, you know, your bed is a shambles. And you know that if you don't make your bed in the morning, when you go to sleep at night, you walk into your room and, and you know that an unmade bed is very uninviting. You sleep much better in a bed that has been made, that has been prepared, that has been normalized. Everything's in its proper place. The pillows have been fluffed. The sheets have been smoothed. Everything is as it should be for a well night for a good night's sleep, for a well-rested night. Pranayama is essentially the same process, but with our energies, our vital energies, our emotional energies, and our mental energies. Because we know that they're in a shambles most of the time. The stresses of life, of family, of, of uh, work drama, relationship drama, uh, and all the different things that, that mess up our bed, that mess up our psychological bed. So when we sit down to do practice of any kind, our mind is going crazy, our, our heart's going crazy, our body is filled with all sorts of knots and tangles and, and, and uh, you know, itches and uh, soreness or tightness. So pranayama is a way to smooth all of that out at the foundational level, to make our bed, to prepare ourself again coming back to the opera singer or the actor or the or the radio <clears throat> voice over um, voice work actor voice actor who prepares before they start trying to record something the next so why we began with pranayama when we're talking about the fundamentals and the basics is because pranayama is the first thing you should do before you embark on doing any other spiritual practice no matter what it is make your bed set the foundation smooth out the wrinkles fluff the pillows Make your instrument as prepared, as as in tuned, as 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 uh, inviting as possible to the positive energies and the positive vibrations that you hope to be able to achieve in whatever practices that you are doing. Pranayama is the foundational step to all of that. We would not embark on any meditation or mantra or anything else without a solid 5 to 10 to 15 minutes of pranayama maybe longer depends on depends on you 
depends on how you feel. But at the very minimum, five minutes, we would say, is the bare minimum. And, and five minutes, we would say only if, because if you only have half an hour to meditate, then you're not going to do 15 minutes of pranayama necessarily, because you're going to end up with 15 minutes of meditation. Although you can combine pranayama and meditation, we will show you how to do that in just a moment. But for the time being, the, 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 uh, this, the one that we just showed you and the one that we're going to show you next is the one that we preferred for many, many, many years. That one, I'm going to write its name here so that you have it. Um, We're going to turn that into an A. There we go. Okay. So this next form of pranayama uses the same basic principles, except you don't, except we're going to be using both channels simultaneously. And what we are going to do is breathe in to the top of the head. And when we get to the top of the head, we will hold the breath and create a very soft hissing sound like that of a snake and move the prana from the crown chakra around to the third eye. and then release it. But as we do this, we are going to incorporate two mantras. The first mantra is hum. And we're going to do hum mentally. On the in-breath. And we're going to do sa audibly on the outbreath and it's the s that we're going to elongate <clears throat> so it looks and sounds something like this you won't you will obviously not hear us pronouncing ham <laughs> because we're going to be doing it mentally but you can't do it audibly because it's the vocal cords and inhalation just don't work that way very well. But it would be, yeah, that's it's it doesn't work that way. So you have to do hum mentally. So it's so again. I'm going to start at the coccyx with the breath and on the inhalation we're going to inhale up the spinal column to the crown chakra and you can visualize idan pingala simultaneously crisscrossing one another as you go from the coccyx all the way to the crown chakra then as you do the s right that's like the fire 
that we drew earlier over on the left-hand side. It's the same fire, the tongues of fire, but now you can hear it burning. And slowly move it down to the third eye. And then when we do audibly the the last part of sa we send it in the energy into our heart and when we do that we should be able to feel the energy once it hits the the heart the energy will um we will feel the energy uh, resonate and vibrating down through our entire body. So if you've, in the past, we've talked about the shepherd's crook, which is the shape, this shape, that's a shepherd's crook. If you look at the shape that the energy takes in profile, it goes up the back, um, around the top, and then the last part, sa. That's the last part. Oops. So ham goes up. Uh, let's try this again. Well, it doesn't want to let us draw anymore for some bizarre reason. There we go. Okay. And around the top and then out the bottom. So that's a shepherd's crook. So it's hum sa into the heart. Let's do that three times. And um, just, you're obviously going to do that at your own speed, but we're going to do it as well. So we'll do it together just three times. Now, as you practice this on your own, you will note that the effectiveness of your pranayama 
will be directly proportional to your concentration. And we will get a little bit more into concentration in a moment. And the third pranayama that we wanted to show you is one that um, it's we learned it from Sivananda and it's sort of the reverse of hamsa we don't even use we don't even use any mantra with it but as we were doing hamsa we sort of breathe in slowly and hold the breath and make this s sound at the top of the breath and then we breathe out relatively quickly we release the breath into the heart and of course it's effective and we did hamsa pranayama for years but then we learned as we were because we were doing pranayama before each and every one of our meditations for years we found ourselves beginning to like want to wanting to dive into meditation while we were doing pranayama but the hamsa the mantralization like certain you can't do that with all the the physical movement and with the mantralization and everything with hamsa it's it's it was not it was getting in the way and then we learned from sivananda this last pranayama that we're going to teach you which is to breathe in relatively quickly and breathe out very very slowly but move the energy the same way according to the shepherd's crook down at the heart across the forehead into the third eye and down into the heart but very slowly as opposed to quickly and we use concentration in this pranayama relaxed and we're circulating the prana but we are concentrating which means and if you are able to do this as you you hold the breath and manipulate the breath to use your inner nasal passages if you have the capacity to control the flow of air force the air into your third eye into that space like on the bridge of your nose between your eyes this is your where your third eye is where you focus and you really concentrate you can you can feel the pressure building up there you can use that area to actually control the breath and use the, the, the stop the breath but you still maintain focus on the, on the crown chakra into the third eye and then down into the heart but you're focusing and concentrating via your third eye and controlling the breath simultaneously it's very difficult to describe it's something that you need to experiment and explore yourself but you will find because it involves visualization relaxation visualization and concentration 
you are you will prepare yourself for meditation that much more you will be that much more prepared for meditation which follows in fact you can continue doing this practice well into meditation because once you learn to do pranayama this way the way sivananda taught it it's become second nature and you just will continue breathing that way through the entirety of your meditation and that can open up profound new doors so it's a relatively quick breath but again not into the chest but again yogic breathing into the uh, solar plexus into your belly button and it's again out through your nose because you're controlling the breath with your nose here And, on the, and you really want to focus and concentrate on the three areas, the crown chakra, the third eye, and the heart, as you move the breath through the three areas. And if you want to visualize it as fire, you can visualize it as light, as a ball of energy. It doesn't matter. You do what works for you. What's going to resonate with you as what you are working with here. You're working with prana, energy. And that was pretty fast. We do this much, much more slowly when, when we're actually doing it. But for the sake of time, we spent an hour on pranayama just now. So this is one of the basics, one of the fundamental foundations, as we said, of all of your practice. And obviously, We've mentioned several times already in the discussion of pranayama that uh, we we do not embark on meditation without doing pranayama first. The combination of pranayama and meditation is extremely potent precisely because of what we described, what pranayama is. But before we jump into meditation, we're going to focus on, because we did a couple mantras with our Hamsa Pranayama. The next fundamental aspect is the recognition of the uh, the spiritual the 
spiritual power of sound. Now, many people think they know what mantra is and what it means. According to the instructors of Glorianne, mantra is mind protection. It is a way, in other words, it is a way to <clears throat> focus the mind. If you have a misbehaving dog, you give it a bone. If the dog's barking, it won't shut up, it won't settle down, it, it's just, it's, It's just a little ball of furry chaos. You throw it a bone and it shuts right up. Why? Because it becomes immediately focused on that bone. Mantra is like throwing the mind a bone, like throwing the hungry, like throwing the, 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 the crazy misbehaving dog a bone. And when you look at your mind, it's crazy misbehaving dog. That's what it is. So mantra, fundamentally, is designed to be able to provide the mind a clear and present focus to prevent it from distracting us and prevent it from hijacking the energies that we are invoking that we, we are trying to work with consciously the mind is trying to make us unconscious it's trying to hypnotize us it's trying to get us to fall asleep to fall into its stream of consciousness and carry us away on a this tangent or that tangent or this memory or that fantasy or what have you you know you you've you've you all have this experience of being taken for a ride by your own mind. Well, if that's the case, then the power of sound, the power of mantra, if it's, the, if the whole point is focus, right? Concentration. then these two things are like peanut butter and jelly, like peas and carrots, hand and glove. Take one of them away and you got nothing. Zero value. Because the power that we're talking about here, the power of mantra is precisely this. The two things feed one another. Okay.
take one of these away and you and you lose the um okay you lose that and you don't want to lose that so we want to maintain our focus and concentration on the mantra during the mantra while we are doing mantra mantras listening to mantras putting them on youtube and listening to them in the background do nothing they, they literally they might have some mild effect but it's nothing compared to the genuine power of mantra. <clears throat> what mantras are, are syllables, letters, vowels, sound, sounds, vowel sounds, <clears throat> but syllables and letters of the language of the supernal worlds. The mantras that we receive are just fragments, like, yeah, just literally fragments of the language of the supernal worlds. But at our level, they provide tremendous power and meaning. But the mantras, as they've been given down through the uh, millennia, were given for a reason. They have power and meaning. But we have to give them our due attention, our due focus, our consciousness must be present and focused. If we are just chanting mantras mindlessly, meaning we're thinking about work, we're thinking about the fight we had with our girlfriend, or we're worried about the thing that we have to do tomorrow, or we're worried about making rent, or we're thinking about, oh, you know, and this and that, or we're thinking about, oh my God, you know, this is another uh, mantra session I'm doing, and oh, Jesus, it's taking too much time, and I hate doing this stuff, and blah, blah, blah. If we're, if we're thinking about everything under the sun, and not really present and focused as we're performing mantra, we might as well not do it, because it's a waste. And if we think we're going to get the power by listening to a CD or something on YouTube, we're going to just sit back and relax and veg out. And we're going to let the speakers bathe us in some frequency, like all of those uh, YouTube channels are, uh, are purporting and what some people sell on the internet. These, these uh, binaural beats uh, or, you know, these different theta and gamma and, and alpha and all these different wave systems and all this kind of like the, the, all sorts of gadgetry and, 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 uh, and uh, artifice to try to put us in a higher vibration. We're wasting our time and money. The other thing to realize about mantras is that normally when you think of mantra, you think of people mantralizing out loud. 
But the reality is, is that mantras are infinitely more powerful if you do them silently. You might wonder, well, why should that be the case? And the answer is simple. is because the path is not about the physical body. The physical body, your vehicle, your vessel, is here and important to you here and now. But your true self, your higher self, and your consciousness has, has other bodies, internal bodies. And if you focus the mantra in the three-dimensional uh, space, you're focused on vocalizing it and vibrating at this level of reality, you're not focused at vibrating at those frequencies in the internal worlds. The challenge, and this is a big challenge, is that for most people can't do mantras mentally. They, most, most people can't do mantras silently or consciously in their imagination because their imagination is weak. Their, con their focus and their concentration is weak. And so most people have to start off doing mantra audibly. And we slowly move, make a transition, shift into doing them mentally. But where to begin? Well, if we go back to our uh, handy-dandy uh, drawing here, we have the seven chakras. And I wonder, you know what, if we go, can we do this? Hang on a second. Let's see if we can. Um... There, okay. Let's. Uh... Okay, there we go. So we have the seven chakras. The uh, the crown chakra. We have the third eye. We have the uh, the chakra in the throat. We have the chakra in the thymus gland, or related to the lungs. So, you know, we could actually draw that like this. We have two chakras here. One is the heart chakra, and one is the thymus gland. So then we have the uh, chakra of the solar plexus and the chakra of the uh, sexual organs, and then the muladhara chakra or the root chakra. And each one of these uh, has its associated mantra, which is just really a vowel sound. I mean, let's let's be honest. The crown chakra and the third eye chakra is the same. It's the same vowel sound. It's uh... oh, hang on a second. We'll make this a little bit bigger here. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, move this. Why are we not? 
Okay. If you guys can't see that, let us know. So it's the the crown chakra and third eye is E. That's we're gonna have this guy <laughs> speaking here. E right? E okay. The throat is ironically eh. Right? It's eh, but a lot of people pronounce this like a. Like a. We pronounce it a. So it's very subtle. We don't put the ye on the end. It's a. It is a. Right? But you don't need the ye on the end. It's just the a part, right? That's the throat. That's the esoteric ear. That's the th that's the throat chakra. The lungs, the thymus gland, is ah. Okay, so not to be confused with a. This is ah. The next is the heart. And that's O, right? O. The uh, the solar plexus is U. U. The sexual organs are. M. And finally, the Muladhara chakra, the where the Kundalini is coiled one, two, three and a half times, is So these are the uh, seven vowel sounds. Uh, we got a, a new uh, guest joining us, uh, Trevor Barzi from Romania. Uh, he says, uh, looks like he's an hour late. You missed a section on uh, pranayama, but you can go back later and, and watch it later. Uh, we began with pranayama because we explained how it's foundational to everything that we do. But, uh, you'll, but this will be online. You can watch it later. So uh, if... That's what you missed, though, just to let you know. We've now moved on to mantra, the activation of all of our chakras. And <clears throat> now, you can just do the vowel sounds, and you can do them in the order that we presented them, beginning at the top of the head, moving down through the body. Okay, you can do that. However, we can give you a, a trick. We can give you an insight. 
But before we give you the trick and the insight, we will share with you uh, Okay, we're gonna make this, we're gonna make ourselves small. We're gonna make this big. How's that? Okay. No, so we're gonna make it, so this, um, there is a channel on YouTube called Astral Doorway. This fellow, um, he, he condenses and he presents knowledge of Gnosis in the tradition of Samael Mayor, in the tradition of GnosticTeachings.org or, or Glorian.org. He also makes other videos, like for example, this one on the seven, uh, seven chakra meditation. Okay, and um, it's and this is showing, as you can see here, a variation where he goes E A O U A M S. Um, and he shows doing nine minutes with each vowel. And you can actually practice along with this video. And it's a, a great little resource. You know, and the other thing is, is that he very conveniently Okay, so he very conveniently puts a little bell in between each enunciation. And he also has the uh, his beautiful graphic representing the chakra that you're meditating on with the, uh, with the appropriate color, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a lovely little resource. It's an hour-long meditation, nine times each uh, vowel sound. So it takes you an hour to do. Now, again... Don't just listen to this. Don't just watch this. You will not get any benefit from it. But this is something that you can do. You can put this on as a as a tool, as a, as a guide, as a practice to, to get you into the groove of doing this practice and, and working with your uh, chakras. There's another one. Uh, there, and by the way, we will share with you the link uh, to this um, playlist or you can find this playlist uh which is called fundamental esoteric practices you can find this playlist on uh our youtube channel which is uh uh atlas atlas info so he's got two different variations of it got another variation uh we don't know what order he's doing the vowels in this variation. We haven't actually watched it. So, but, um, but Astral Doorway is a, is a good resource, especially if you find some of the Gnostic lectures a bit long and you don't have time for one, you can watch one of his because usually his lectures are less than an hour. Most everything he does is usually less than an hour. Okay, let's get back to uh, the order of the vowels and so on. There's a hidden, well, first of all, we'll get to some of the insights we wanted to share with you. If you go and do those videos, and that's fine, as long as you're doing the vowel sounds in the correct way, you're going to get benefit. But there are specific mantras 
that are very powerful of their own right. And that's when we work with groups of chakras in tandem, in combination with one another. And uh, if it's all right with you guys, if I'm going to be able to, I'm going to take all of this and delete this. Or actually, no, I won't do that. No, 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 no. What am I doing? Okay. Okay, let's put all these back because uh, we're going to save this. Let's let's go and um, take this. I don't know. Take this and uh, right click. There we go. Copy. I'm going to move this over. Let's move it back this way. Paste. Okay, we're going to do a new copy of our uh, folk. We're going to zoom in. Okay, so there are some specific mantras we can work with. For example, E, A, O. E, A, O. So what we're doing here is working with these, well, four chakras, because we're the crown chakra and the third eye chakra are both E. And then there's the, the lungs, the thymus gland, which is A, and the heart, which is O. Crown chakra, third eye, and heart. Now, the A and the O are both really related to the same chakra of the heart because they're so close to one another. The heart and the lungs are really one organ. They're separated into two organs, but truly, they're related, right? Because the, the lungs are moving the oxygen, which is feeding the blood. Oxygen in the heart is pumping the blood. So it's, it's the heart actually just pumps the blood to and from the, uh, the lungs. So... They're infinitely, they're intimately related. E-A-O is a very, very, very powerful mantra. And you will find another, would you say, call it a fundamental practice? If you are married, if you have a spouse, and you want to practice white tantra, sexual alchemy, E-A-O is one of the mantras that we can use to transmute the sexual energy, to transmute the sexual force. That's how powerful a mantra it is. It is, it is ex enormously powerful. Which is why... Now, okay, that's... We will get... get uh, we want to get ahead of ourselves. So, relax. Take a deep breath out. Remember, we're breathing. Every time we breathe, we breathe into our solar plexus, our, our belly button, right? We're not breathing into our chest and our shoulders. You're going to be completely relaxed. You can do this eyes open or eyes closed. Just do E-A-O three times. E
Now, Trevor says, interesting, let's put this up on the screen. He says, interesting, the priests here will chant these tones as the culture, especially going back to the Dacian Zolmoxian times, tells the people the church is a place for sonic healing. All churches <clears throat> are built acoustically. In fact, that's why you find that many recording artists will go and do recordings in churches because they're acoustically perfect or they're, the, they're, the acoustic resonance um, of churches and temples built around the world are done so because of the sonic resonance, because of the power of sound. In the coming weeks, we'll dedicate an entire live stream to the power of sound. But for the time being... <clears throat> We want to stay focused here on, on the task at hand, which is working with the sound and the fundamental basis and the fundamental practices. The next mantra you want to know 
is, of course, you may be surprised we didn't start with this one. But it's the mantra of the Aum of life. It's the mantra, it's the mantra Aum. But here's the thing about that mantra. It is A-O-U-M. A-O-U-M. Okay? So the second mantra deals with these four. Remember, the first two, or the first uh, three, uh, the first mantra we dealt with, E-A-O, E-A-O was, we should, do, we should do it properly. So one, right? The crown chakra, the third eye, the lungs and the heart. So that was four chakras, these four. And A-O-U-M, is these four. <clears throat> That's how you pronounce Aum. If you just observe yourself trying to say Aum, if you try to say Aum, you cannot get from A to U without passing through O. Just try to do it. If you do it in a, if you do it a u o m, okay, that's cheating, right? You're you're you know you sound like a monkey, but if you do it one continuous flowing sound, aum, you have to go through o. This is the mantra of the aum of life. This is the next very powerful, very poignant. Mantra of the Gnostics. Now, why is that? Well, just look. It's your entire torso. Your entire, all, practically all of your spinal column. And most importantly, this is the true size of your heart chakra. Your heart, your heart chakra is not limited to that fist-sized organ in your chest, your heart chakra encompasses the whole of your torso. And all four of those chakras are actually contained within the heart chakra. Which is why Om is perhaps the most famous chakra in the world but but they they spell it wrong om no it's aum it's aum it's aum very quickly benjamin says Hang on, as we find our mouse cursor on the screen here. There we go. He says, not only were the churches acoustically resonant for healing frequencies, but some cathedrals even have circular stained windows with cross-sectional DNA patterns. 
I believe these Catholic buildings were places of healing. The cross-sectional DNA patterns were also likely the uh, energetic channels Idan Pingala or the Alm of Life. So I know that everybody wants to immediately, well, every time they see a spiral, they want to say, oh, it's a DNA. And sure, it may be, but but um, that's fine. But uh, churches and cathedrals were first and foremost places of spiritual healing. Uh, physical healing, medical healing, whatever you want to call it, that was secondary. Because remember that especially in the Dark Ages, when a lot of those cathedrals in Europe were, were built. Um, well, there, was, there were dark times. And there were a lot of people suffering from a lot of uh, demonic influences and such. So, and sound is very important and all that. Uh, Trevor also says, yes, the windows were the frequency amplifiers and a lot of churches were built on aquifers. So they could alter the frequency of uh, drinking water there. And let's not forget that the the musical device of preference for cathedrals is the pipe organ. And there's Nothing else like it. I mean, to, to go into a cathedral and hear hymns and classical music being played, especially classical music that was written for the pipe organ being played in the cathedral that it's that it's in. It's it's um, it really is a a powerful experience on on multiple levels, and the pipe organ as an instrument. It is a wind instrument, but with each and every note having its own individual cylinder and resonating tube to be able to create create the sounds, create the frequencies, and then have those frequencies in in harmony with one another, which is the unique aspect of a pipe organ, which you you just you cannot reproduce that with any other single instrument. You can only do that with an orchestration. But a pipe organ is a single instrument. Now, of course, it's a colossal, monstrous device. But in the hands of a skilled organist uh, playing music by Chopin and other masters who would would written specifically for the organ, it's uh, it can be quite incredible. Benjamin says, um, is it better to practice these mantra meditations with noise-canceling headphones to avoid interference since we cannot go inside a cathedral these days? Um, No, you don't want to... Again, if you want to use a CD or YouTube or whatever to, to practice these mantras, you have to do the mantras yourself. If you want them on in the background, that's fine to get you started, but soon you will abandon that. You don't, you won't need that anymore. You won't need headphones anymore. Right. And in fact, after you go, you do this audibly a few times, 
right? Eventually you want to graduate to be able to do the, doing them mentally, silently, only in your mind, only in your consciousness, in your conscious imagination and hearing the sound, the vibrations within your consciousness, because that's where these mantras are most powerful. You know, regardless of what healing effects they can have on the body, what we're really doing mantra for is the, the resonance and the alignment of energies and frequencies of our internal bodies, our mental body, our emotional body, our causal body, our vital body. Trevor says, are you saying to do this to block out external noises or to actually perform the mantras for you? Uh, no, so I think Benjamin, you know, just said that we clarified it for him. So uh, I think Benjamin was just asking to, you know, to, to, to block out. Look, when you meditate, when you're doing mantras, when you're doing any type of practice, remember what we said about how important... Um, Let's see if we can get uh, a nice clean uh, break here. We said that it's all about focused concentration. Okay? So you may find yourself in a situation where you may find yourself in a situation where um, You have to deal with uh, distractions. And that, but if you, if you master focus concentration, then the, the distractions won't matter. We're trying to uh, see if we can move this up. Okay, let's see if we can lasso all of this and let's see if we can add this and then see if we can move that oh yeah we can do, we can but it's gonna and then this 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 what happened to oh they moved it to the front <laughs> oh god Oh, that's annoying. We can't send it to the back now. Okay, so undo, 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 undo. Okay, all right. So anyway, we're just going to zoom it out so you guys can see it. So again, it's about focus concentration. The whole po point of developing focus and concentration so that you can be focused and con concentrate on what you're doing and it won't matter what's going on around you. If there are distractions, if there are, you know, because you might live in that part of a world, your your uh, situation may be that uh, you know every at least every thirty minutes to an hour there's a, a a fire engine or a ambulance or a police car zooming by in the street below you with the sirens blaring. That just might be something that you live with, or that every hour there's a seven forty seven that flies over your house to the airport. That just might must might be something that you live with or a train goes by near your house, or a subway, or it doesn't matter, or people honking their horns, or any number of distractions, or maybe your neighbor has a, uh, has a you know, Ford Mustang GT with one of those performance exhaust mufflers, and he loves revving the engine and 
tuning up and down your street, making a, a, a whole ton of noise, or maybe your neighbor has a barking dog or, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. You're, you're never going to be able to completely block out everything. And why would you need to? And why would you want to? No. Focus. Concentrate. The more distractions there are, the more challenging it will be. But just like anything, the heavier lifts you weight, the stronger your muscles are going to be. So the more difficult and challenging it is for you to focus and concentrate because of the circumstances that you're in, the more uh, skilled you will be in focusing and concentrating. Okay, very quickly. Aum. Three times. Ah. Now there, we didn't separate each of the letters like we did with E, A, O, because we did E and then A and then O, the AUM. Like we can also do E, A, O that way too, where we just go E, A, O. And typically, when you do a mantra like these, you would put them together like that. So it's E-L-O is one, one mantra. So one breath, all three vowels in one breath. And A-O-M, all three, all four sounds in one breath. The final two, there's two missing out of the seven, right? The two that are missing, it's a... Uh, Let's make ourselves smaller again so you can make this as, as make this a little bit bigger here and move this over. Okay, so the two missing are the chakra of the throat, eh, and the chakra of the, the muladhara chakra, the root chakra. <clears throat> And S. Now, if you intuit where we're heading with this,
what we do is we put e and s. We tack these on at the end here. And what we have done here is taken the seven vowel sounds and we have we have written esoterically the apostle James is the brother of Jesus esoterically j is uh written as an i a o u m a s Yaumes James You don't have to do it in this order but if e a o and a o u m are two of the most powerful mantras we have in that in that order e a o and a o u m And here is the, the throat is intimately connected to the sexual organs, to the uh, and the, uh, the the root chakra. So the sexual organs M and the root chakra S. Okay. By connecting these three in this way, we are taking the throat, which is intimately connected to sex. Why? Well, for a number of reasons, but the throat is the esoteric ear. It's how we receive. It's how we are able to hear esoterically the word of God. But the throat is also how we speak. It's the creative, it's the, it's what represents in the, according to the law of correspondence, as above, so below, the throat is the chakra by which we create with the creative verb, with the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The power to create, to speak into reality is the throat, the power of the throat. That's a creative power. That's a creative force. It's intimately connected with the S. Sex is S-E-X, the letter E. And it's pronounced E. Sex. Sex. We don't need to inform you or in, or uh, instruct you in the uh, uh, the practice of oral sex the throat the mouth is intimately sexual it's creative so putting 
the vowel sound of the throat chakra between the mantra of the sexual organs and the mantra of the kundalini, the, uh, the, the root chakra, Let's not do that that way. Actually, can we? Well, let's, let's see if we can do this like this. Okay, here. Right. This is another another pairing. Now, not if if you just need some more. Um, um, evidence for what we are saying here you know this word and you also should know this word right m e s s e m s e m M E S. So we have a solid basis for how and in what order we do the seven vowel sounds. And in fact, you can do this is in one prolonged breath. E James, the brother of Christ. And the Christ relates to the Kundalini and the fires of the Holy Spirit in the crown chakra. That's the E and the S. And the breath. So that's why you have Meshiah. Mesh. E A, as in the E A O, you have the Mesh E A. That's Messiah. That's the Christ. This is our preferred order of doing the seven chakras for the reasons that we give here, but it's also, it's just was revealed to us. So, um, but you can do them if you want to do them. E, A, A, O, U, M, S. You can do it that way. We just move the E down. Or you can do it in other orders. People have other orders and other reasons for doing them in different orders. This is our preferred way to do it. There are other mantras which we could get into and we could share with you. Uh, Om Mani Padme Hum, for example. Um, but we would have to open up a huge Pandora's box 
to get into all of the, the details around that. So we'll have to save that for another time because these are, remember, this was the title of this lecture is Back to Basics and Getting to the Esoteric Fundamentals. So activation of the chakras and working with sound is one of the fundamentals. And at least this way, you've been given the mantras of E-A-O, of Aum, and Iaomes, James, and how, and how it relates, including to sexuality, transmutation, the creation of the Christ. This Messiah, Messiah. Because Messiah is a mantra. All right. It was inevitable that we would eventually have to graduate from pranayama and mantra, which is mind protection, right? The, the, the aligning and bringing all, it's like mantra is like doing scales, right? And, uh, Trevor says, I used to mark a candle from top to bottom, divided into equal sections, E-A-A-O-U-M, and as it burns, uh, it would time your mantra. Helped with focus too in the dark. Well, it's funny you mentioned candle, because this is a candle. And the next thing we're going to practice is visualization. Visualization, well, actually, let's not we okay so trevor brought up a candle so we're going to do the candle first we're going to do visualization just look at it just observe the candle just observe the candle relax and really focus on the candle Now close your eyes and try to hold the candle in your mind's eye. Now if the candle changes, that's fine. Different candle appears, that's fine. Don't try to hold it too rigidly. Just try to continue your visualization of the candle with your eyes closed. And when it's faded away or you don't think you have it anymore, open your eyes, just start watching the candle again. The reality is most of our visualization acuity, our third eye potential, our ability, when we close our eyes, we see nothing for the most part. So the development of the conscious imagination 
the ability to visualize with our eyes closed, to see, in other words, not with our physical eyes, but with our third eye, with our metaphysical eye. That is a skill that needs to be developed because it's a muscle that has atrophied in us because we don't use it or we use it in the wrong way. We use it to fantasize. We use it to daydream. Very, very rarely do we consciously use it to visualize. This is a very important skill. It's a very important aspect of meditation, which we will get to in, in, in a moment. This video is part of that playlist that we created, the Fundamentals of Esoteric Practice, Fundamentals of Spiritual Practice, uh, that playlist on our um, YouTube channel. This is, this is 10 hours of this, of this burning candle. So clearly it's, it's on a loop of some kind, but it doesn't matter. It works. You know what works much better? A real candle. Look at a real candle. But if you don't have a real candle, this will work in a pinch. Why not? So you look at it, you watch it, and then close your eyes and you try to hold it in your mind's eye with all the little details. And you open your eyes again. You didn't get all the details? Well, watch again. Watch for the little details, the subtle movements. Where's the halo around the flame? What about the highlights and the wax? How far down does the candle itself, the wax, get illuminated before it goes, it, it disappears into shadow again, into the blackness, right? The reason why we like this particular video is because it's so simple. There are no distractions. There's no background. It's so simple, a, a phenomenon, that when you close your eyes, if you look at it long enough and you close your eyes, you can still see the hazy um, after effect of it. But you want to not continue looking at it with your physical eyes, with your eyelids shut. You want to look at it with your metaphysical eyes and be able to, to um, visualize it. Jennifer says, when I close my eyes, I focus in the third eye area. I visualize a big eye. <laughs> if you focus and concentrate very strong very hard very strongly you will you will see concentric circles and all sorts of different visual phenomena uh don't let that distract you and don't focus and concentrate too too hard too strongly just look be very relaxed as you do this. And you want to be focused and concentrated, but but not, not um, like rigid. And so not and not forceful. Just relax. Just natural. Focus and concentrate. And then gently close your eyelids and continue to do the same thing only no longer with your physical eyes. This is a, a nuanced, subtle practice. This takes time. And 
but practice makes perfect. The more you practice it, the more you do it, the better you will get at it. And the more you will be able to see that candle with more detail and more clarity. And eventually, the candle will appear just as it does with your physical eyes, only your eyes will be closed. We can't promise you that, and we can't tell you when that's going to happen. And But we can tell you that when it does happen, you'll be so surprised and shocked that you'll go, whoa, and then boom, it'll be gone. Because that's our, certainly our experience of visualizing, because there's that hazy, fuzzy, yeah, okay, I can see it, but it's not actually there. But then there's another level of this where it's no longer hazy, fuzzy. It's actually there. You're actually seeing it. And your eyes are closed, but you're actually seeing it as though your eyes are open, but your eyes are closed. So you're seeing it with your third eye with the same resolution and clarity and fidelity that you were seeing this with your physical eyes. And when you experience that, when you experience such, you know, shamadis in meditation, right? When such visions appear to you, where they're as vivid and real as if you were looking at them with your third, with your uh, physical eyes, that's usually enough to like shock you into, into out of your meditation and boom, it's gone. Which is why it's so important to cultivate relaxation. Relaxation is the key to spiritual practice, to esoteric practice. If you cannot relax, you will get nowhere. You must be able to relax the body. You must be able to relax the mind. You must be able to relax the heart. You must be able to. And it's ironic because you can't force these things to relax. And when we say you must relax, and if you're not relaxed, and if your mind's like, oh my God, I must relax, I must relax, I must relax. Well, your mind is not relaxed, you're not going to relax. So how do you relax? We're going to keep the candle going. There's no reason why we need to uh, end the candle. Oh, except for maybe, I don't know what's happening to our background there. Something strange is going on with our uh, so it's not that. Let's see if we can fix this. Um, let's hide that and let's see if we can fix what's the problem here. Because that's distracting. No. No. Is that better? Okay. Okay. All right. Let's see if we can put this candle back and um, there we go. Okay. So we'll keep the candle there. 
let's focus on some relaxation. Now, it's really that simple. To relax, you just need to let go. And the way we're going to do that, you can do this while you're staring, while you're continuing your candle practice, by the way. You can, you can, or if that's a distraction, then we can, we can make it go away and we can just focus on relaxation. But that video is, uh, again, it's in that playlist that we're going to uh, share with you. And uh, you can find it online. There's, you can find dozens of uh, videos with candles on them. Some have music, some have, some don't, this one doesn't. So this, that's the other reason, reason why we like this one. Cause the music, there's no music to distract you. So to relax, take some deep breaths, do some, you know, do some pranayama, whatever, but relaxation helps pranayama. It's really a chicken and egg which one you want to do first. But just put your attention on your toes. Just put your attention on your toes. Are they clenched? Are they stretched? Are they tight? Are they bunched up? Are they What's going on with your toes? Wiggle them a little bit and then let them go. Now move your attention to your whole feet, to the balls of your feet. Are your feet clenched? Are your feet tight? Are you, are they in a comfortable position, uncomfortable position? You can wiggle them around. You can move them around. How about your ankles? Are you holding tension in your ankle? Let it go. If you breathe like that, in through the nose, out through the mouth, as you let go any particular body part. Move up from your ankles to your calves. Many people have tight calves. Many people store a lot of stress in their legs, especially in their calves. Observe them. Is there any tension there? Are they clenched? Let them go. Let them go. What about your knees? Move into your knees. Are they relaxed? Is there tension there? Are they twitching? Let them go. How about your thighs? And your quads? Your upper legs? Do you feel tension there? Are your muscles clenched? Deep breath in and out and let them go. 
Presumably, you're sitting comfortably. Put your attention on your glutes, on your gluteus maximus. Now, we know for a fact many, many, many people carry tension in their glutes. How are yours? Are they relaxed? Are they tense? Are they clenched? Sitting in a nice comfortable position in a chair or lying down perhaps? Put your attention on those muscles. They're major muscles in the body. They're responsible for so many things. A lot of our strength in our core, for example, actually comes from our glutes. And they carry a lot of burden. They carry a lot of stress. They carry a lot of tension. So deep breath in through the nose. Out through the mouth. And let them go. Let them relax. Let them sink into the chair. Is your back up against the back of the chair? Are you sitting back comfortably? How's your back, your lower back? What about your mid back? How about your upper back? shoulder blades are they are they clenched are they holding tension are you squeezing them together are they hunched forward you know, are you hunched forward in a bad posture or are you sitting back with your spine straight and erect your shoulders down and back are your uh, shoulders nicely square In breath, let your whole back go. Are you holding any tension in your uh, abs? In your upper abs, in your chest muscles, your pecs, your collarbone, whole front of your torso. Any tension, any tightness there? Your shoulders down and back. Your head floating on top of your spinal column. In through the nose. Out through the mouth. And relax the whole front of your body. Let everything sink into that chair. Really feel the chair supporting you now. Your head is floating balanced perfectly on your spinal spinal column which is relaxed but straight and upright how are your arms your upper arms where are your hands are they resting comfortably in your lap are they are on are they resting comfortably on your the arms of your chair your armchair Feel into your biceps, your triceps. Move down your arms, into your elbows, 
to your forearms, to your in through the nose, out through the mouth, let everything go. Feel into your hands, tops of your, of your hands, your fingers. Are your fists clenched? Are your fingers wide? Are they close together? Are they relaxed? How about your thumb? Feel into them, breathe in, breathe out, and let them go. Let them rest, however they're resting, in your lap, on the armchair, it doesn't matter. Or if they're just dangling in space, let them dangle. Your head should be floating, balanced perfectly on top of your spinal column. But how's your neck? Are you holding tension in your neck? Does your neck feel thick and turgid? Does it feel light and airy? Breathe into it. And out and let it go. All the muscles in your neck, let them go. And move to your jaw. Do you clench your jaw? Do you grind your teeth at night? Those muscles in your jaw are some of the most powerful muscles in your body. Let your jaw drop and hang. Move it a little bit. And like work those muscles of your jaw. Relax them. Let your jaw drop. What about the muscles of your lips, of your tongue? You carry a whole lot of tension and stress. Breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth, and just let it all go. Now the muscles in your face. Do you feel your face hanging from your skull? Or are your cheeks tight? Is your brow tight? The bridge of your nose? Muscles around your ears? Muscles of your eyelids? Your brow? Muscles holding your eyes in their sockets. How about the muscles behind your eyes? Focus on them. Breathe into them. And then breathe out and let them all go. Feel your face sliding off your skull. And move to the top of your head your scalp, and around to the back of your skull. And feel your scalp and your skin and your hair pulling down with gravity. Like that's all just precariously hanging there against your skull. No tension, no effort, no exertion whatsoever holding it there.
Breathe in and out and let it all go. Now open your eyes and look at the candle. Maintaining that relaxed state that we just created. With your eyes getting heavy, just relax and observe the candle. And then without creating any tension whatsoever, close your eyes and observe the candle. Don't flex your eye muscles. Don't try to bring the candle into focus with your physical eyes. Just close your eyes and see the candle. Now open your eyes. And observe the candle again. Maintain your relaxation. And really try to concentrate now. Concentrate on the candle. Close your eyes gently and keep that concentration. Keep your eyes closed and keep visualizing the candle. Now, still with your eyes closed, see that candle and let the candle become, see a figure in that candle, in the flame. Shape of a figure is in that candle. Flame, as it's moving, it's moving more and more like a person, like a figure. 
begin to see glowing arms, begin to see the outline of a head. Maybe that's figure is wearing glowing flowing robes. They're coming towards you, this figure of light, this being of pure light. Relax. Relax. Concentrate on this figure of light. If you see any tension anywhere in your body, breathe into your nose and out through the mouth and let that tension go. Stay relaxed. Focus and concentrate on this being of light that emerged from the flame of the candle. And that being of light is moving closer to you, closer. It's getting larger as it moves closer to you. Relax, concentrate, visualize this being of light that offers no threat, proffers no want, makes no aggressive move whatsoever, just slowly approaches, relax, concentrate, visualize. Now as this being approaches, you begin to see the outline of a face, the subtle details of eyes, of a nose, a smiling mouth. This being is neither male nor female. This angelic being embodies both masculine and feminine. As it approaches with its wide open, unintimidating, unthreatening eyes, a broad smile, a broad grin, ear to ear. It is filled with loving compassion. This being of light reaches out and extends its arms open as if to welcome you, as if to hug you, as if to embrace you. This pure being of light Relax, concentrate, visualize this being of light, this broad, loving smile across their face, their arms wide open, inviting you. A 
without moving a muscle in your conscious imagination lift your arms in your mind's eye and step forward towards this being of light with your arms outstretched and wide open move towards this being of light relax concentrate visualize this being of light is so close now you move together and you embrace this being of light it's loving glowing pure light arms have wrapped themselves around you and yours around them you experience and embrace like you have never experienced before an embrace of pure loving kindness and compassion of pure light and love relax 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 concentrate and visualize this being of light tightens its embrace on you and you on it but your embrace passes through this being their embrace passes through you until you feel your arms wrapped around your own torso but this being of light is still with you you look down at yourself and now you are glowing relax relax in through the nose out through the mouth you and the being of light are one you've become one you've achieved union with this being of light your innermost being and now in your conscious imagination you can observe your arms your hands they glow with the same light that you saw emerge from the candle you are the being of light you are one relax concentrate visualize you are one with your innermost being of light now take your attention slowly away from yourself keep feeling that being of light and its embrace all throughout your body relax relax resist the urge to tense up as you feel that light and that love and that compassion throughout every fiber of your being as you draw your attention up into the heavens 
and suddenly you realize a hundred billion candles flickering in the night sky all beings of light and you see all those stars all moving together as one toward a single point They all come together, those stars, those candles, those points of light into this incredible glowing ball of pure white light high above you in the heavens. And you feel yourself one with your being as one of these points of light, you too are moving toward that ball of energy, that ball of light, the center of the universe, that ball of light, which is growing larger and larger as more and more candles of light keep joining it. Relax, relax, relax. Concentrate on that beam, that glowing, incredible ball of light. And as you move towards it, you see a figure in it, a figure, a silhouette is in that ball of light. And as you move closer to it, the details of that figure reveal themselves to you. And in that ball of light, you see the figure of an expression of God, which, whichever speaks to your heart. Perhaps you see Jesus, perhaps you see a depiction of God, perhaps you see Krishna, or Buddha, or Zoroaster, it doesn't matter. Maybe you see Zeus, maybe you see Odin, maybe you see Quetzalcoatl, maybe you just see another figure of pure light and love contained within this tremendous, perfect, multiple unity of light, this incredible sphere of light you are so close to it now relax 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 <sighs> one with your innermost being you turn to the figure in the great ball of light before you, the Logos, the perfect multiple unity. And together now, with your innermost being, together as one, 
in harmony. You speak as one, you are as one, you feel as one. You speak these words to the figure in the great ball of light in front of you. Relax, concentrate, visualize, and you pray. Pray these words to the great being of light before you, together with your innermost being of light inside of you. You pray these words, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 Relax. If you wish, you can continue praying as you relax and concentrate and visualize. And you can continue praying to the great I am that I am, the mighty logos. Who calls all candles to come and know themselves as individuated essences of the great I am. Relax, relax, concentrate, visualize. And when you are finished praying, together with your being, innermost being of light, move forward. Allow yourself to be pulled by the sheer force of gravity of the great I am that I am, the mighty Logos at the center of the universe, creator of all things. See him, his face or her face, its face, its visage, whatever form that the great I am took for you to speak that spoke to your heart. Sitting at the center of this incredible infinitely large ball of light and love and energy. Now you two, together with your innermost being of light, allow yourself to fall forward 
into that tremendous ball of light. Fall into it like a drop of water falls into the ocean. And now feel yourself one with all beings of light in the universe. Feel the expansiveness of that incredible, infinitely large sun, that huge ball of burning love and light. Relax, relax, relax. Do not allow the gravitas and the weight and the mass of an infinite number of beings of light. Do not allow that to bring tension and stress to you. with the choir of a million voices. Speak together with them. I am that I am. I am that I am. I am that I am. Now relax, still feeling one with all the points of light, and one with your innermost being of light. Open your eyes. As part of that playlist, well, we should, there's one more practice we should share with you. To complete any, um, Complete any esoteric work, esoteric practice. You should, we should, we should finish with the macrocosmic star. Now, unfortunately, because of the setup that we have here, we cannot perform it for you. But what we can do is direct you to the following video. And we've, we've done this before in the past. The macrocosmic star is forming a pentagram with our body with the mantra Klim, Krishnaya, Govindaya, Gopijana, Vayavaya, Swaha as we perform the movement.
So it is like this. You would do Klim, Krishnaya, Govindaya, Gopijana, Vayabhaya, Swaha. And then we do the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And by the Holy Tetragrammaton, the uh, video here on the uh, the microcosmic star explains the movement, and they also explain um, other aspects of it. Do they do they explain the uh, mantra? No, so you want to do this with the mantra again. Um, clean. Krishnaya. Govindaya, Gopijana, Vayabhaya, Swaha. And then from here you do the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and by the most holy Tetragrammaton. The last part is the Sigrun and that's giving energy and power. This is also just uh, covered in the um, Defense for Spiritual Warfare course. So when you finish mantralizing, you finish meditation, get up, do a macrocosmic star. We did this guided meditation not as a Um, a substitute for real meditation, but as a guide to give you an experience of working with the fundamentals of meditation, relaxation, concentration, visualization, and prayer, and how you can combine these cornerstones, these, these four fundamentals of meditation in your own meditations. Right? You don't want to rely on guided meditations. You do not want to go back and listen to this uh, podcast, this live stream over and over and over again. Only do that if you are lost. You don't know, you know you've forgotten what the steps are or you, or you, you have no inspiration of your own then you can use guided meditation as an on-ramp, as a set of training wheels to, to you learn, you get a feel for the types of activities that we can do while in meditation, consciously, in our conscious imagination, in our visualization, and in our relaxation. And you may have noticed in that practice, you may have noticed your body tensing up. That stress and, and, and tension 
was entering into your body as especially when moments of high drama were taking place when moments of great intensity were taking place you may have felt that intensity trying to express itself physically in your body which is why relaxation is so important because we don't want to get distracted we don't want to get pulled away we don't want to get we don't want to get dragged out of our meditation by the concerns of a physical body meditation is not about physicality it's not about being here it's about being in the higher dimensions the supernal worlds and making a connection as we did with our innermost being and beyond the being of beings the father of all fatherhood the logos the perfect multiple unity and as we have explained in the past our father is spoken in the third in the first person plural for the same reason why we atlas don't refer to ourselves as i because i attila the mortal vessel and servant is an i but we are one an innermost being and a mortal vessel a true human being three as one a mortal a human soul and a divine soul a triune human being a true human being we pray to the father of all fatherhood to our innermost being the logos the christ alux who is all light and god light the fire of fires the light of lights and the being of beings that is why we pray our father who art in heaven relax concentrate visualize and pray other meditation techniques you can use psychological judo this is something that cannot be done in a guided meditation process it's something you can only do for yourself and only through practice this is another one that's really makes practice makes perfect and what psychological judo is is exactly what we were doing in the body to relax the body when you find tension in your body you look at it you breathe into it and you let it go psychological judo same thing a thought comes you're trying to meditate you close your eyes you're relaxing and you're just going and just all you do is you just watch the mind you watch the heart you watch the body if you find tension in the body you let it go if you find tension in the heart in the emotional center you let it go if a thought arises you look at it you 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 recognize it you acknowledge it and you let it go and if you know what judo is you know that judo is all about turning the uh the kinetic force of your attacker of your assailant against them and and in judo you use very little effort very little force 
because you're just sort of sidestepping and you're allowing your assailants to to come at you and then and then you keep right on going you sort of deflect them and dodge them and and um it's it's a it's a marvelous thing watching a, a judo master at work so psychological judo is the same thing the thoughts arise you acknowledge them you let them go you relax you don't you don't expect anything you don't want anything want anything all you are doing is just taking and letting go taking and letting go taking and letting go observing and letting go and in time you will get to a place where this, the thoughts don't come anymore then your meditation begins in the same way that this guided meditation that we gave to you was just a preparation for meditation true meditation begins a true meditation there's no such thing as guided meditation there's no there's no true guided meditation true meditation comes when there are no distractions when there's nothing for you to hear nothing for you to listen to nothing to guide you true meditation comes when the mind is completely settled down like that mountain lake in forest gump when he's jogging past the mountain lake and he says that that mountain lake that was so clear it's like it was like a mirror and it was like two heavens one above and one below because that mirror is so perfectly smooth and calm that it can reflect the heavens that's what we want we want that mind to settle down become that perfectly clear mirror so it can re receive and reflect the heavens breath work mantra relaxation visualization concentration prayer you combine all of these into meditation these are the actual so-called exercises or practices that you can do as part of the foundational fundamentals of spiritual development and but on top of these these are what you sit down to do as a matter of course as 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 exercises but the other fundamental practice which we have to do moment by moment each and every day of our lives is self-observation and self-remembering because the goal of all of this is to know ourselves we can't know ourselves if we don't observe ourselves and we can't know ourselves if we don't remember ourselves if we don't remember our divine mother because that being of light that came out of the candle that's our innermost being and our and it's our divine divine mother it's the divine masculine and the divine feminine and our divine mother is who orchestrates all the events and circumstances in our life she who's who gives us everything that we need on the path 
including all of our tests and trials and ordeals. So it's important to remember her. It's important not to take her for granted, not to forget her. The other aspect of self-observation and self-remembering is transformation of impressions. And we have a separate live stream on all these topics, actually. But the transformation of impressions is the conscious digestion of the impressions that we take in. That means not to allow them to be digested with ego, but to digest, even if the egos intercept them, to recognize, aha, okay, there's my pride intercepting this circumstance my pride's wanting to react and do this and, do, and so you observe and you you process all of that consciously that's the transformation of impressions that's part of self-observation and self-remembering because self-observation or mindfulness is one eye in and one eye out so we're aware of our environment we're aware of what's going on around us but we're also aware of how we are reacting to that what are the elements inside of us that are reacting? We need to be aware of that, conscious of that. And when those reactions come up, we don't suppress them. We don't repress them. We digest them consciously. We say, aha, there's my pride. Ah, there's my envy. There's my fear. There's fear. There's pride. There's lust. There's greed. There's gluttony. There's laziness. Okay. As these reactions bubble up, in, in reaction to, the, to uh, the circumstances around us, we are aware of everything that's happening inside of us and outside of us and the interaction, the dynamic between the two. And we're digesting all of this consciously. We're transforming these impressions into gnosis, into self-evident experiential knowledge. We're taking all these experiences and we're recording them in consciousness. Why? So that in later... In meditation, we can use our relaxation, concentration, visualization to replay those circumstances that we've digested consciously during the day. We now have the material, the evidence that we play out in the courtroom of our internal meditation. And then in that courtroom, we can visualize a courtroom. We've done live streams on this as well, on retrospection meditation. And retrospection meditation deserves its own live stream, to be honest. Um, as uh, uh, Just like we did a live stream on pranayama, we can do a live stream on every each one of these fundamentals because they're so fundamental. They are cornerstones. And what we do is we retrospect, we recognize the ego that was... Uh, attempting to cause us suffering and attempting to cause others suffering through us, trying to get us to react badly or say something or act in a certain way. And we recognize because we have the evidence, we put that ego on the stand and we pass judgment on the ego. We beg and plead and pray to our Divine Mother we can use the mantra, Ramiyo, Ramiyo, and we, we invoke her, we, we, we 
um, ask her to come into our courtroom. The judge is always Anubis, and the jury are always the lords of karma. And we are playing the prosecute the role of prosecuting attorney. And we are convicting the ego of malicious malevolence. And once we convict the ego and Lord Anubis passes judgment and declares the ego guilty, then we can beg and plead for our Divine Mother to come and execute that ego. And with a flaming sword, you can visualize her stabbing you in the, in the head, in the heart, and in the spinal column or in the sex. And that flaming sword, and you have to visualize your whole self being put on fire as that ego burns in the, uh, in the defendant chair. And we've done a live stream on that, talking about that. But we'll do that again in the future. We will, we will, we will do that. Uh, we will walk you through that in a uh, in a guided meditation, just so you learn and can experience that on some level. But then you have to be able to do that on your own, because retrospection meditation and the elimination of egos is. You have to know the basics, you have to know the fundamentals to be able to get there. If you can't hold a candle flame in your mind's eye, if you if you can't close your eyes and continue to see a candle, if you can't visualize a candle in meditation, how are you going to visualize a courtroom? And if you can't re stay relaxed as you're doing simple activities, in meditation and prayer and visualization and concentration how are you going to be able to play the role of a prosecuting attorney and read out the charges against the ego and how are you going to do retrospection and, and do the visualizations required for retrospection meditation and how are you going to remain calm and relaxed and concentrated and how are you going to visualize a courtroom? And how are you going to vi visualize Anubis and the Lords of Karma and, and all of this multimedia phenomenon? How are you going to remain relaxed as your Divine Mother is spearing you with her flaming spear or her flaming sword in, in, and, and as you're, you're literally burning? How are you going to remain relaxed when you are on fire in your meditation? If you haven't practiced, if you haven't gone back to the basics, you haven't gotten the fundamentals down. And how are you ever going to achieve a shamadi and visualize and see in your mind's eye with the same clarity and resolution and vividness that you would with your physical eyes? If you don't, if you can't, even hold a single candle in your mind's eye how would you how are you going to be able to for example when the covid nonsense began and all of this this misinformation and disinformation was being levied online and on the mainstream media and everything else and we said you know what 
we need to get to the bottom of this. We need to know what this is really all about. And so we went into meditation. And we relaxed and concentrated and visualized and prayed. And what did we pray for? Show us. Show us what we need to know. Show us what this COVID thing really is all about. What's really going on? And we were shown. We were shown. And we were given this multimedia presentation because we had our visualization. We had the capacity to visualize. So our innermost being, our, our, uh, 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 the being of beings, showed us what we needed to see. But we were able to see it because we had developed our capacity to be able to visualize. So someone, the higher powers, used our faculty, our ability to visualize. They used our ability to visualize to show us what we needed to see. And that's why we had no fear of COVID, no fear of any contagion. Because what medical science calls viruses are actually exosomes. And they are the way they are they are how the body quarantines hazardous material and dangerous um, genetic material. Viruses are, are exosomes are created by the body themselves. They're not transmissible. Uh, diseases uh, from environmental toxicity, including electromagnetic toxicity. The germ theory of disease as caused by viruses is... Now, when you hear about Fauci talking about gain of function and these lab leaks and gain of function and this and that, that's because medical science has been trying to create viruses out of exosomes. Because they know that in that exosome, there's something dangerous. And so the gain of function is precisely changing the, taking these things that are essentially quarantine devices to expel from the body dangerous material. And science has been, they've been trying to manipulate and turn exosomes, these aspects of the immune system, into weapons. So when they talk about gain of function, that's what they're talking about. That's what they're trying to do. But we were shown there's nothing to fear from these so-called viruses. All right. Um, we've been going now for more than three hours. There's a few comments. So let's get to some comments here. We have uh, Trevor Barzi who says, I got to run. Yeah, thanks for another great stream. I really appreciate it. Can't wait for your book. And uh, Benjamin says, wow, thanks. I'm left with breathing problems after my addiction. This will uh, definitely come in handy or uh, come in useful. So the uh, clearly he was uh, referring to the, um, the breathing exercises. And he says, I'm coming close to being a year clean. It was, oh, alcoholism. Okay. And um, as Azil says, 
there are few willing that admits to themselves the actual efforts that are required for the basic fundamentals. We've been at work, but we will also watch the stream from the start. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for joining us, Azazel. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, before we sign off, does anybody have any questions? Uh, there's more, of course, we can cover. And but, uh, for example, there's runes, and there's you know there's other practices that we can we can talk about, and there's lots of things that can that can be you know there's things like um, the rites of rejuvenation. There are the runes. There's of course many, many, many prayers, not just the Our Father. And there are many, many, many mantras. Um, but again, today was all about getting back to basics and really trying to pare things down to those fundamental cornerstones. And then we build on those cornerstones, right? Those are the foundations. We build on those foundations. We, we expand those foundations. But the ability to always come back and and be able to repeat the uh, the foundational work um, is so important. Let's see our uh... oh there it is yeah 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 okay so this was our um... <clears throat> so breathing. And mantra, the activation of the chakras. Um, now, here's something that we will tell you. Now, I know that we gave you, we showed you a, a, a video from Astral Doorway. <clears throat> and he has the nine, uh, repeating each vowel sound nine times. With the, he has a little bell between each one and so on and so forth. Okay. What was pro has proven most powerful for us is to repeat each vowel sound seven times, followed by three pranayamas. And then you do, so you go E, right? E, do the E seven times, seven like prolonged breaths, however long that takes you. And then when you're finished with the E, do three pranayamas, whichever pranayamas you prefer. And then go to the next vowel sound. Now, We don't know what's typical. We are going to make an educated guess and say that most people probably only do E once for both the third eye and the crown chakra. Meaning, if there's seven vowel sounds, we'll, we'll do, they'll do we do E twice. Meaning, we'll do one round of seven, focusing on the crown chakra, visualizing the crown chakra and the crown chakra faces perpendicular to us. And all the chakras rotate left to right. <clears throat> so if you were looking at me, they would appear to be rotating right to left, 
But from my point of view, chakras rotate left to right. Do we have that right or do we have that backwards? pretty sure we have that right but you know what we'll double check at some point but so you you um um uh meditate so when i do the seven vowel sounds or when we do those seven vowel sounds we do uh we'll do seven times i focusing on the crown chakra then we'll do seven times i focusing on the third eye and only then will we move on to ah and then O, and then O, and then M. Do you see what I mean? Because there are two chakras here. There's the crown chakra and there's the third eye chakra. Those are separate chakras. Yes, they use one vowel sound, but you try to visualize both your crown chakra and your third eye chakra at the same time and make it meaningful and be concentrated and focused. Remember, it's not the, it's not just the sound that matters. It's not just the fact that you're doing the mantra that matters. You have to do this in a focused and concentrated way. That's why we drew this. Right? That's why we explicitly wrote this. The mantra, the power of sound, sound has no value. It has no power unless it's focused and concentrated with the mind, with the consciousness. Otherwise, it's just it just dissipates. Like you take a pebble and you throw it into the pond. What happens to the ripples in the water? They just go out and out and out and out. Yeah, that's fine. But without the focused concentration of energy and intensity and consciousness, those ripples have no effect. They just, you know, it's very different than a focused stream of water, right? Like out of a water pistol. It's still water. It's a very different effect. So you can think about it in those terms. Sound is like that. And again, perhaps we have, we were very fortunate in the way that we studied um, uh, acting because, again, we, we re reiterate, we said this a million times, you probably sound like a broken record now by now, but we, we, we studied acting as a martial arts. And if you, and if you remember, um, and all good martial artists, they know that, that they, they use sound to 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 manipulate chi and uh certainly bruce lee i mean just you know uh as a classic example but if you remember david lynch's dune not the not the newest dune of uh danny villeneuve's dune but but the dune that david lynch made back in the early 80s and he introduced this concept that even um frank herbert liked um the uh the audio weapons the, these these weapons that took this focused energy and and uh you focused the power of this the, the energy the energy weapon with a with a mantra with a sound and there's this great there's this great scene where gurney is is uh training paul and the others and he says oh you know try to break the rock you know kick it punch it yell at it and the guy goes break, and the rock, of course, doesn't do anything. But then, uh, was it Gurney or Duncan? I can't remember whichever one it was, Duncan or Gurney. I can't, I can't keep the name straight. Anyway, the uh, the 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 guy running the course, the training course, he takes this weapon. He goes, done, and he blasts and he obliterates the rock. Right. So it's this 
It's this incredible embodiment of, of sound, the power of sound. And, but you see that the focused energy is what makes, gives that the sound its potency, its ability to, to, to um, uh, really create change and really empower what it is we're wanting to do here, which is open chakras and, and uh, um, open the chakras. So if you're just listening to this, or you're just passively doing this, or you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're fantasizing, you're, uh, what do you call it, uh, daydreaming, your mind is wandering, and you're like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, how much more longer? Okay, six more, uh, right? Like, you're not doing anything. You might as well not do it. You might as well not do it. And if you're listening to CDs, or you're just watching it on YouTube, or you're listening to it, or whatever, it's, it's, you need to do it yourself, right? Because the resonance and the frequencies and everything need to come from you. And we reiterate, you start out doing, you start out doing it audibly, but then the sooner you can graduate to doing it silently in your consciousness, the better you will be. The better, the better off you will be. And to learn how to pray and to learn how to visualize and to learn how to do mantra and do all of this within the, within the internal worlds, um, all of this is going to serve you um, wonders on your path. These are the fundamentals. These are the foundations. Does anybody have any questions or comments or... Anything at all? Anyone want to share anything? What we should share, if we can actually get the, um, we can get the 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 link. Hang on a second. So. Thought leaders, spiritual. Uh, the leaders, music, fitness, ruins. I don't understand why. Playlists. Okay. Playlists. No more. Here we go. Okay. So... Any questions, anyone? Okay, so we have the playlist. Um,
Benjamin says, it says in scripture, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Having promise of the life that now is of that which is to come. Does this mean that aside from meditation exercises, having a pure heart is more important? Okay, meditation is not a bodily exercise. Okay, meditation is godliness. That's the so that's how meditation factors into the quote that you said. It says, in it says for bodily exercises profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that that is now and is um, and of that which is to come. So, yeah, a pure heart is important. But meditation is also important because meditation is how you connect to your innermost essence of God. To having a kind heart. And there's many people who have a kind heart and a good heart, and they're well-intentioned, right? But the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There's many people with kind hearts and good hearts that are, that are languishing in hell. Among them is Gandhi. Gandhi is in hell. Gandhi is in limbo. He's not in heaven. Why? Because he never he never created the solar bodies. He never practiced the spiritual path. He was kind-hearted and he was well-intentioned, but ultimately his goal was political. And he ultimately believed himself to be the Mahatma, as people started to calling him the, the great soul. But he wasn't a great soul. He really wasn't. And he's actually kind of misguided in in uh, in the end of his day. And we, we you know we talk about this in our book. Actually, Gandhi is is one of the people that we talk about in our upcoming book. So we won't get into get into it too much now. So when 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 the scripture talks about bodily exercises, they're talking about physical exercise or in the case of mantra, audible exercise. So godliness is being one with God. That's what godliness is, is to being one with God. And that means one with your innermost being. And that's meditation. That's how you cultivate that. That's like, you. if you want to be strong, you got to go to the gym and work out. And then you go to the gym and you build the muscle. And then you can go out into the real world and you have the strength of a muscle man, of a, of a strong man. Why? Because you spent the time in the gym building that muscle. And guess what? Meditation is the gym. So if you want to be godliness, you, if you want to uh, act with godliness in the world, you've got to be one with God, and that's meditation. So having a pure, kind heart is important. It's part of that. But it, that alone is not going to do it because it's not practical. It's just not practical. Because you're going to have a kind heart with many good intentions, but the road to hell is paved with them. And that's just a fact. And that's, and that's just the way it is. As Azazel says, it is kind of confusing sometimes when we fluctuate between the light and the dark, the solar and the lunar. It's uh, confusing sometimes because the dark wants to convince us that it is the light. That's why it's so confusing. And that's why it's so important 
to practice these fundamentals, to open the chakras, to to w- work with uh, our divine mother, um, the, the the prana and pranayama, and to connect with our higher self in meditation, to to know ourselves, self observation, self remembering, transformation of impressions, because when we remain conscious and awake then when the dark the lunar tries to grab hold of us and convince us that it is us and we are it we will we will catch it and say no 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 i'm not falling for that one now don't get me wrong i fall into the lunar all the time right the difference is is that i know that i'm doing it I know I'm doing it. I know I'm giving in. When I give in to a craving for Doritos, I know that's what I'm doing. I'm under no illusions or delusions that my gluttony and my addiction for to junk food, to potato chips and Doritos and, you know, I don't know, crackers and cheese and ice cream and whatever. Like, I know that when I have those cravings, I know that if I'm giving into those cravings, I know that I'm giving into cravings. I'm not sitting there justifying for myself saying uh, saying oh my innermost being wants me to have this 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 pint of ice cream like you know that's the difference so to me there's no confusion there's suffering there's challenge there's temptation all of that but to me it's not confusing anymore I don't get confused right I get angry I fall off the wagon. I I say and do things I shouldn't. I say I, the demon grabs hold of me and does things, but I watch it and I see it. And sometimes I'm just too weak-willed or or whatever it is or sometimes you know what? I just I give in, right? I, I give in to temptation. But I know that I'm giving into temptation when I do that. I know I'm being weak. I know I'm being taken advantage of, manipulated. So as Azel says, same, we simply admit that we fall for it. Like there are, so um, it's, this doesn't get, the path doesn't get easier as we move on because it might become less confusing for us, but the more, the less confusing it is, the more intense it becomes because the egos say, well, we can't pull the wool over their eyes anymore. We can't pull the wool over their eyes anymore. We can't hypnotize them and 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 trick them into believing that this is what they really want, right? So now we have to make those temptations that much more intense. And you're like, ah, oh, God, it's like, it's like, it's like you, you know, I, I must be what like like uh, what do you call it? Heroin addicts and alcoholics deal with when somebody puts a drink in front of them or somebody, you know, puts a a, a heroin needle in front of them. And they're trying to stay clean and they haven't drank or they haven't shot up in a year, but it's only been a year. Now the temptation comes like the, the, the intensity of that temptation must be tremendous because it's so it's, it's physiological. There's so many things that are wrapped up in that. Right. And the demon of, and the demon of, um, of addiction is still there. So, you know, in the, in a very real way, we experience the same thing, just not with alcohol or hard liquor, hard drugs, our, 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 um, 
the addictions that we have are, like you say, more, quote, benign. Although the scientists will tell you that sugar is more addictive than heroin. So I don't know. And then and carbs are sugar. So, so, you know, we can't tell you. And for sure, we can tell you that the MSG and the Doritos and the potato chips that we eat, like we know that that's, that triggers the, um, the opiate effect in the hypothalamus. We know that for a fact. So, but anyway, Benjamin says, yes, you are right. Bodily exercises include many yoga postures, etc., but not meditation itself. Thanks for clarifying and sharing your knowledge in today's live stream. I like what Azazel has commented, reminded me of the devil posing as an, as an angel of light. Yes. Well, how many times have you heard us say that the, that the uh, egos very rarely come to you as your enemy? And we've, we've played you. Uh, you know, clips from um, Lord of the Rings with Gollum and Smeagol. And when Gollum's telling Smeagol, who helped you survive? Who got us this far? You know, and you see this all the time, right? Egos justifying themselves, rationalizing, them, rationalizing and playing themselves out, making themselves out to be the hero. Right? And Gollum and Smeagol, you watch those scenes from Lord of the Rings. Then you know and you observe yourself, right? Believe me, the, the gluttony who wants us to eat those Doritos or have that pint of ice cream or whatever doesn't never appears to us as this like foaming at the mouth, fire breathing, evil demon from the depths. No, it comes to us as big, hug, cuddly. Oh, come on. You know, we just want you to feel good. You know, you just want that ice cream. And oh, you know, you've earned that Doritos. And oh, you do you worked hard this week or you did this, or you did that. You deserve a reward. You deserve this. You deserve. I mean, it's it's freaking it's 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 sugar coated, candy coated, uh, 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 you know, plaid jacket wearing used car salesman talk i mean that they're they're just they're con men they're con artists and they come to you as your friend as your your confidant and your protector and you're this and you're that and the other thing and and it's like they always they always try to do it that way right and there's so many different ways in which this has been reflected in uh, art and film and literature right and perhaps one of the best ways is um is uh, Dracula, right? Dracula, who seduces women, right? And young women and virgins, right? They're seductors and seductresses, right? And and uh, these uh, these uh, incubi and succubi, and it's like it's all this sleazy, slimy, used car salesman, con artist, like greasy haired, trying to get the better of naive people tactics. All of that is ego. That's all pure ego. So when you, your own egos appear to you making these claims, they don't come to you as a demon, right? They always come to you as an angel, right? Ha! Benjamin Raphael says, Gollum and Dracula remind me of Trudeau. <laughs> Trudeau is a perfect art it's a perfect example you want to know how egos appear to you go and watch trudeau talk on tv to the canadian people and you're like you you like perfect example of a guy who knows nothing who is nothing is a big fat zero he has no redeeming qualities whatsoever absolutely none he's a complete total zero of a person zero of a man and yet he runs canada 
and he and he and he got into that position on pure charm and good looks alone and his father's name that's it that's it he had a good brand and he had uh charm and he had his good looks and he and he he schmoozed his way into uh the uh the prime ministerial office of canada and canada has been suffering for it ever since because the man is a ruthless he is he is he has no conscience he has he has he is completely without scruples he's completely unscrupulous and um and he's one of the worst things that ever happened to this country but he's just smiling and charming and da, 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 da. he's the perfect he's the epitome of ego He's the epitome of, of, of all egos. Totally. And as Azza says, yeah, um, who are they abandon you? Yeah, you've always been a part of me and all that. That's right. Yes, that's right. There's the egos talking now. Yes, who are they who abandon you? And, and we've always been, uh, I've always been a part of you and whatever. And then he'll be like, ah, well, okay, damn it. This time you win. <laughs> And Benjamin says, Gollum and Dracula remind me of Trudeau. Yes, we got that one. And as Azza says, you got to watch that Trudeau thing. Uh, we don't, we recommend it only for educational purposes because otherwise, uh, you know, uh, be prepared with like a, a bottle of Pepto-Bismol or something on the side because uh, it's very likely to give you indigestion watching this guy because he really is a clown. All right. Uh, so, political things aside, um, any other questions or comments about the uh, the basics, the fundamentals? And if something comes to you during the week, by all means, send us a message, post something on our Facebook. Uh, you know, you can tag us in the message or whatever. If you want uh, us to elaborate more, if you want more of these interactive type uh, live streams in the future, let us know. Um, because again, you know, things are, uh, we, by the way, passed our three year anniversary. Oh, Hey, hello, Eric. Well, thank you for joining us. We're so happy to have you. Um, we hope that you got some value out of today and this, um, today was a little unique and a little special. We don't, always or don't usually have practices in our live stream so perhaps it was serendipitous that you chose today of all days uh but again if um uh eric shares a 100 that's what it is okay good um so if you if these are value if you find these valuable and you think these will be um <clears throat> valuable in the future we'll have to see how things go with the uh the book Right. And uh, Eric says perfect timing. Um, you know, we say perfect timing or serendipity for sure. Everything happens for a reason. But um, <clears throat> we'll have to see what unfolds with our book. And um, because we're going to be very busy promoting that. And hopefully, hopefully, we will get some invitations to go do some other podcasts and other people's live streams and so on and so forth. Well, we'll see how all that rolls out. So we can't uh, promise anything in terms of a second session during the week where we just do practices or something like that we can't promise anything uh at this point but what we encourage you to do and that's why we really were about we wanted to give the basics and wanted to explain how you can't keep relying 
on things like guided meditation and mantra videos or mantra CDs or anything like that. You re those are all training wheels. Those are all on ramps. They're all designed to get you onto the highway. But once you're on the highway, you're on your own. You, you, you really do have to go within and find the guidance. If you need some more instruction, you need some more um, information or guidance or advice or anything like that, we're always available. You can always reach out to us. But we don't want to make it a habit of making uh, guided meditation videos and, and, and practice videos because we know what people are like. And we know that people will take those and save them on their phone. And every time they want to do mantra, they'll just lie down in their bed. They'll put on their, their, their smartphone. They'll, they'll put on the, uh, the guided meditation or the mantra uh, video or whatever. And they'll just veg out for half an hour listening to mantras. And they will get nothing out of it. It will do absolutely nothing for them. Right? And so we, we don't want to encourage that by pumping out, you know what I mean? Like um, that kind of content, that kind of material, because it's not valuable. It really isn't. Anyway, we don't want to, we don't want to beat a dead horse on that one. Azazel says, yeah, got to try to avoid codependency. Exactly. Exactly. The, the spiritual path is a solitary road. It really is a solitary road. If, if you have tremendous good fortune and tremendous good karma and you meet a soulmate or um, God be praised if you meet your twin soul and you are actually able to be together with them and well then you'll have the ability to do mantra and pranayama and meditation together with a soulmate or a twin soul and then on top of everything you'll be able to do white tantra sexual alchemy with your with your spouse it's not a codependency thing we don't want to call it that it's something far more significant far more sacred and far more spiritual than that it's two beings becoming one on the physical plane and according to the law of correspondence one of the seven hermetic principles as above so below and for you to be able to know your mortal beloved in true faith in other words to know your mortal beloved intimately at the exclusion of all others, and to practice with them intimately the bond the, of the bonds of perfect matrimony, and to know that, to know your mortal beloved in that way, intimately, consciously, two as one. Um, that, as below, reflects what we experienced in the guided meditation today, which is to be to achieve that, to know your innermost immortal beloved with the same intimacy, the same conscious union, to know yourself, your immortal beloved, at the exclusion of all others, right? With that same faithfulness. And so, so if you if if you have that fortune, 
and blessing in this life, then God be praised and, and make sure that you use it to its fullest potential in the creation of your solar bodies, in the elimination of all your egos, because you have the means to become a living God-man, a living Bodhisattva, walking the path of the razor's edge. But that's the, that's the exception to the rule, right? And, and you cannot compare, you cannot compare spiritual practice with your spouse, with your, with your mortal beloved, with your twin flame, with, your, with your, your soulmate. You can't compare that to watching videos on YouTube and, and equate those two things. One of them is a crutch. The other one is a godsend. Right? One of them is a set of training wheels. The other is a tandem bicycle of the highest quality that you can go trekking across North America and Europe and around the world together with your with your beloved. And and you can reach the moon and the the planets and the stars together with such a tandem vehicle. Right? Whereas the videos on YouTube and the guided meditations, those are training wheels. They're training wheels. Right? The sooner you dismantle them and take them off the bike, the better. Like every kid, yeah, the training wheels are cool for a while, but then after a while, they're very uncool. And every kid can't wait until the day that the training wheels come off and finally you can start riding that bike the way it was meant to be ridden. That's really how you have to, have to approach this kind of stuff. And that's why our channel is not filled with those kind of videos. They're not. We don't. We don't do them. We don't. We'd rather do a video like this. And um, we don't expect to break it up into its little units or, you know, we, we are not here to give people crutches. There are plenty of people out there who that's all they are ever going to be able to do is give you a crutch. Right, we are here to do what they won't or they can't, and they don't. That's what we are all about. Right, Sega does what Nintendo don't. <laughs> okay, there's a little levity to uh, to to wrap up <laughs> today's uh, today's uh, live stream. Does anybody have any other questions? We're getting we're getting on to uh, uh, close to four hours, but but anyone have any other questions? We're happy to answer them before we call it a day. We'll give you uh, another uh, minute or thirty seconds or so, or to uh, to type out your questions if you or or if you if you don't have any questions and you want to say goodbye then now's the time to say goodbye because usually what happens is usually what happens is I'm waiting for people to give questions and I'm giving you time to write questions and then there's no more questions and I say oh well there's no more questions okay well thank you all for coming and see you later and that's when people start typing their goodbyes so <laughs> um so uh, oh eric says is there a title for the upcoming book oh yes there is eric there is a title in fact there's there's more than a title uh, the title is uh, "What in Hell Is with Us," and uh, but there's more than that. 
give us a, uh, a moment here and uh, we will show you what more there is. Uh, right, okay, so let's add this and there we go. So this is the website uh, for Atlas Alex. And this is the, the page, we'll give you the link. This is where you can, um, uh, you can see it for yourself. The link is in the chat and, oh, look at that. Okay. So, uh, this is the title of the book and, uh, basically what's scrolling on the right hand side are the uh, essentially the subtitle because the complete title is uh, um, transhumanist AI conspiracy woke and uh, I don't know I can't even remember what the proper um, subtitle is. If we go to the front you now and if we go to let's see the, the books I think it's is it here. I can't even remember what the proper subtitle is. Anyway. The title of the book is What in Hell is With Us? And uh, you can go through this on your own, in your own time. That's our website. And the link is in the description. It's in the comments and it's on the screen. So um, we're basically talking about the Great Awakening. Um, the the uh, Has it transhumanist AI, conspiracy red pill, woke culture wars, new age awakening, and the Great Awakening. That's the subtitle. So it's easier to just to remember what in hell is with us. So Eric says, excellent. Thank you. Azazel says, bye. Thanks for joining us, Azazel. If anyone else has any other questions or wants to say goodbye or whatever, uh, now's the time to do it because we're going to be signing off in a few minutes. But thank you all for joining us. Um, and uh, by the way, just as a because Eric brought it up, we might as well let you know that um, we have uh, 270 pages now uh, edited. Um, our editors did their job and we went through all of their edits. So um, so we're now looking at the last third of the book, basically. Uh, so we I and. We still have a week left in September, so we should we should be well on track, uh, on schedule to have the book available uh, sometime. Again, maybe even early, if not mid October. Um, but again, you know, touch wood, making sure nothing goes nothing goes awry between now and then. But but things have been progressing uh fairly well relatively well so so uh we are on our way to uh making that available and we really we really are looking forward to to having um all of you be able to to uh, get a copy um and um and get it out there and put it out there because like we said this when you read the book you'll understand this is this book has been essentially 50 years in the making Right? We've been working on this book since the day we were born. This book is the spearhead. It's the, the launch pad of our life's work, of the Atlas Project, right? So um, 
so yeah so things are things are moving along uh benjamin says bye goodbye benjamin thank you for for uh being with us today and to all of you uh once again we want to thank you for uh joining us today we hope that it was valuable and um we hope that you'll join us again next week uh eric says thanks again you're welcome eric thank you for being here uh we will as usual announce a topic uh, on Saturday and we announce it on YouTube and on Facebook. Unfortunately, because, you know, I don't, I don't choose the topics. I don't speak the topics. I'm not the one who does this. For example, that meditation, that guided meditation we did today, I've never done that guided meditation before ever. I've never meditated like that before ever. Not like that exactly. That was completely new. And it was born completely from visualization of the candle and everything else. So um, we've done versions of that. We've done things that are similar to that. So just recall that the reason why we can't give topics like a week in advance is because we allow the topic to come to us right we we do the topic that's assigned to us to give we don't pick the topic right so that's why it's always the day before that uh, we announce what the topic is because it's very rarely do we know ahead of time uh, or before that okay so again thank you all for joining us uh, we hope to see you again next week have a wonderful week have a productive week wherever you are in the world we hope that you um are enjoying your fall, your autumn, or, if you're, or whatever season you're in, if you're on your south of the equator. Um, and until next time, uh, to all of you, uh, thank you, and uh, we say inverential peace. <laughs>